listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Our next guest wrote a book back in 2018 called How Fascism Works, The Politics of Us and Them. And now, amid everything that has played out in recent months, from the election in November to the violent insurrection in Washington last week, his work has never seemed more relevant or prophetic. And back in 2015, he wrote another book about the ability of propaganda to undermine democracy. Again, a text that seems so important to consider in the context of the ever-growing political tension and tribalism that is playing out in our country. Jason Stanley is the Jacob Urowski Professor of Philosophy at Yale University, and he joins us now to talk about now and how he has seemed to kind of predict where we would be right now. Jason, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you so much, Stephen. Yes, it's great to have you here. So uh, you wrote the book, How How Fascism Works. Now, watching what you foreshadowed actually play out here in America, I'm really wondering what you were thinking as you were undoubtedly watching uh, this insurrectionist mob attack the U.S. Capitol last week to overturn the outcome of uh, a democratic election. Yes, yeah, so people people said, look, uh, what we, we don't face something like a fascist social and political movement because it's not anti-democratic. It's not attacking democracy. What we saw was an attack on democracy. Uh, we saw an explicit attempt to overturn an election and we don't know how many people uh, were complicit in that uh, in that uh, event, uh, but we do know that since the election, uh, we've had the president of the United States declare that essentially that if he's not uh, reelected, uh, it's not valid. Uh, and that's the kind of mentality that that authoritarians, autocrats, the kind of people that President Trump is friendly with across the world take uh, with regards. Uh, two elections. But this has been a long time coming in the United States, as I emphasize in my book, and both Democrats and Republicans have fought for it, this toxic stew of uh, oligarchs and white supremacy and Christian nationalism. Hmm. I don't need to tell people in in the state of Michigan this. Right, right. Uh, Is it it now, in in your estimation, uh, beyond debate that we are sliding toward the kind of fascist instincts that end up uh, destroying democracies. I mean, this is something that actually happens in countries all the time, that, that democracies uh, fail because of uh, the inability to maintain those institutions that keep, uh, that keep people free. Uh, are, are we as a country... Uh, moving in that direction in a way that we have not before? Uh, well, we've only been a democracy since the 1960s, really, when, yes. when black Americans uh, received the right to vote, uh, access to the ballot in the South. And what concerns me is what preceded this, which, again, I don't need to emphasize, given that this is Michigan Public Radio, Think of the Emergency Manager Act. (laughs) I mean, you removed in the state of Michigan uh, mayors and city councils from having any democratic role in uh, taking out loans for cities, 
the uh, you know uh, in any kind of management over uh, their uh, the 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 affair their own affairs. Fifty-one percent of black uh, citizens of Michigan were under an emergency manager between 2008 and 2013, who was making all the decisions for them about their municipalities. So, uh, so, and 2.4 percent of white Michi Michiganders were under that regime. Now, uh, when you look at that, you say Americans are kind of have gotten kind of okay with handing their democracy to uh, oligarchs. Uh, politi uh, uh, politicians, uh, you know, we give up. I mean, you guys didn't need a war to hand over your democracy. You, you guys just needed to cut funding. Financial crisis, right? Yeah. You know, so how, how much in America uh, is there even any desire to, uh, to hold on to the system where we participate in the formation of laws uh, that, that govern us? So, when we have that background, uh, when we have that background, and that background, and don't get, and don't be confused, the the people connected to all of that, you know, I mean, Betsy DeVos has been secretary, education secretary. Mike Pence is part of that whole system of, you know, uh, so so we, I think we have, we have uh, the Republican Party has lost seven of the last eight presidential elections. They've lost the popular vote. Mm -hmm. So since they've lost a popular vote in seven out of eight elections, they have to play footsie with democracy. Uh, they have to say, oh, well, well, you know, they can't say they're legitimate because seven out of the eight last eight elections, they lost the popular vote. So they have to say that democracy itself is not really legitimate. And when you do that, you're going to get someone who comes and says, well, let's not pretend anymore. And we had Trump. Now we have a, a whole bunch of Republican Congress people and senators who are Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz. I mean, let's be clear, Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz. I mean, I went to the State University of New York at Stony Brook. I paid my way through college. Uh, Josh Hawley went to Stanford and Yale Law. Ted Cruz went to Princeton the, and Harvard. These are people, who, these are the elite of the elite who should know better, have no excuse, and are explicitly saying, let's throw out the election because a Republican didn't win. Mm. Mm. You know, I, I, I want to keep talking about how we got here and uh, the forces that, uh, that, that, that play a role in pushing us this way. But, but I want to take a pause for a second and talk about how we go back the other direction, uh, because I think that's one of the things that, that is hard for people to get their minds around at, at this point. I mean, uh, all of us sat and watched a week ago as a violent white supremacist insurrectionist mob attacked the U.S. Capitol. And I think there were a lot of people who were shocked by uh, the intensity of that moment. In other words, everyone knows that we are a very divided nation and that there are bitter feelings uh, on, on both sides. Uh, but I don't think a lot of people were sitting around thinking, well, we're about to to see a violent attack on on, on our uh, most basic, uh, fundamental democratic institutions. So, so I guess the question I have for you is, uh, you know, especially as a philosophy professor, how do you row this back? How do you put the genie a little bit even back in the bottle uh, now that you're at this really extreme point? Uh, yes, that's the million-dollar question. So let's look at how extreme the situation is. So I wasn't surprised at all by the violence. When you have a political leader 
call, saying that, uh, you know, calling out what you have to do when uh, when you're in the situation of losing elections is you have to say that your opponent is totally illegitimate, that they're that they're that they're dangers, that they're, that they're they're dangers to your country, dangers to your uh, so so the election. Uh, is illegitimate because your opponent is illegitimate. The uh, Mr. Trump has been uh, describing his political opponents in the most extreme possible terms, uh, which motivates the violence. Now, as a previous caller said, it's not the case that everyone who votes for Trump was part of that insurrectionist mob or would be uh, involved in that kind of insurrectionist violence. However, it is, uh, it, and, and again, the state of Michigan is a good case here. As you know, in Michigan, on the one hand, you have a whole bunch of of white centrists, including white liberals, who uh, who were fine with disenfranchising black uh, voters in cities, uh, and then you have violent militias. <laughs> now, what uh, violent white militias in Michigan? Uh, now, what you have, what Trump has done, is he's vastly increased the number of people who uh, who uh, are going to be members of organizations like the Proud Boys. Uh, it's not just disaffected, unemployed white people, and it never really was. It's uh, people who own car, car dealerships. It's, uh, it's, it's a much broader swath. The far right, the far extreme right, who's, who's okay with, uh, with just saying no one but us can rule uh, and can use violent means, uh, that's a much larger group than it was four years ago. Because when you have the president of the United States calling for that, then that's going to legitimize it, and that's what we have. So we need to delegitimize that. We need to we need to talk to the Trump supporters, who are fellow citizens, our fellow Americans, and say, look, uh, not all of you are you know definitely not all of you are racist. Some of you are voting for Trump because of issues about pro life. Some of you are voting for Trump because you want your taxes cut. Mm -hmm. But you can't be associated with this. You cannot be associated with the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys are not part of our democracy. Uh, so, uh, so one way to roll this back is to talk to our fellow Americans who are like, well, between the Democrats and Republicans, I'm going to be okay with Trump uh, because of issue acts, because of taxes, because of uh, pro-life issues, say, because of Christianity, because of white Christianity, frankly, uh, because of various <laughs> issues. Uh, but we have to tell them, as you did earlier in the show, we have to say, look who you're in bed with. You're in bed with the Proud Boys. So we have to make what, what Trump has done is he's legitimated the Proud Boys. He's legitimated the three percenters. He's legitimated uh, the, 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 violent, the violent forces. And so we have to say to Trump supporters, uh, look, uh, you don't want to be associated with them. That's not you. You're a conservative. In the past, when you look at times when fascism has succeeded and fascist takeovers has succeeded, it's when conservatives have joined with the fascists because the tactic of the fascist, of fascist tactics involve this. The fascist tactics involve saying, look, the traditional family is under attack. It's under attack from communists. The communists are taking over the media. They've taken over the media. They've turned it into an organ for their leftist ideology. They've taken over the universities. Um, they're, 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 they're inciting uh, the minorities. This is KKK ideology dating back to the 20s. The communists are inciting the minorities into a race war so the communists can take over. So this kind of politics makes ordinary, decent social conservatives terrified 
that the world, that the communists and leftists have taken over the media, <laughs> taken taken over the universities. So we have to split them in the way that you did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones here. Call and tell us uh, what you make of where we are as a country. Uh, what did you think while you watched this violence unfold against the U.S. Capitol uh, in Washington, D.C. last week? Do you think we'll see other instances of similar action play out in the coming weeks or months? And call and tell us what you think we need to do to try to walk away from this really awful space uh, that we're in. What are the things that we do to make uh, to make the disagreements that we have certainly less intense, but also to bring more of a sense of justice uh, to the people who make up these United States? Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to Facebook or to Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll work you in that way. Let's go to John in Royal Oak. John, welcome to the show. You there, John? Hello. Hey, go ahead. Oh yes. Uh, well, I, I wanted to uh, to speak to the question that you just raised. That that there is that the how to move forward piece to me is about dismantling those interconnects that do label somebody like the the caller at the end of the last segment who said he was he was troubled to be designated with the with the the white nationalist and, and, and Christian nationalist kind of labels because of his because of his beliefs in other things. And I think to me the, the way forward is to empower the middle so that the people who do not have the extremist perspectives but do carry some overlap can speak to each other about the, the core issues that are really at hand, getting it back to issues of national security or issues of justice or issues of, of life or, and, and liberty and the pursuit of happiness and all of those things and keep the discussion at that common level and let the extremists represent the extremists. And mm. Until we can get back to that point, I think it will be uh, more difficult. And I do think that, that extreme people on, on both sides may continue to move things forward. Mm. Uh, John, I really appreciate the call and and your thoughts. It's a really it's a really interesting perspective. Uh, Jason Stanley, go ahead and react to what John's saying. So uh, so I think that's a natural reaction what John is saying, and I understand the reaction. But I'm going to take issue with it because that's what philosophers do. Uh, <laughs> I I think that um, you know unfortunately the situation we face in America, the reason that we are facing. A, a, a fascist social and political movement, because that's what we're facing uh, with QAnon, with fascist, uh, cra crazed fascist Nazi conspiracy theory, essentially driving people, uh, is because of fundamental structural problems that uh, that you cannot deal with in a centrist, moderate way. Mm. Uh, we have, um, you know, Black Americans have been telling us for a very long time that we have a white supremacy problem uh, in the police system, but it's not just that. When you have massive racial inequality, uh, you're going to need a militarized police force to enforce it because people are going to, uh, frankly, rebel under such situations. So uh, I think, you know, I'm sympathetic to Trump supporters uh, who said in 2016 who said the same thing as Bernie Sanders supporters. It is the elite banks that sold us out. I mean, it's the banks who are behind the Emergency Manager Act. 
So, uh, you know, the banks are, are a huge problem. Uh, the financial system is a huge problem. Uh, so, so we need massive structural change to address the role of, of uh, finance uh, in, in our politics, to address the role of the billionaire class in our politics. And that's, that's one reason people voted for Trump and, uh, and why Bernie Sanders has the support he does. So uh, until you, as long as you have massive inequality, especially racial inequality, America is gonna be stuck in the following dilemma. You're going to have regular revolutions, as my colleague Elizabeth Hinton describes them in her forthcoming book, regular revolutions against by an impoverished racial minority against uh, police brutality, which is there not just because the also just because the police are trying to enforce a massive distinction between rich people or uh, and incredibly poor people. So you're going to have ma regular revolutions. Then you're going to have those revolutions misrepresented. As, uh, as, as riots by demagogues who then use them to run for office against uh, telling disenfranchised white people that their real enemy is their fellow, uh, th their fellow working class uh, black person rather than uh, the oligarchs and billionaires who are supporting things. So as long as, long as we have massive racial inequality, we're going to have constant protests against police brutality that, that are then misused by demagogic politicians for office. So I think that's not going to have a moderate solution. So, so, so uh, Jason, you and I agree on everything you, that you just said, and lots of other people do. But I, I don't suspect that the majority of Americans believe that that's true or are necessarily willing to make the sacrifices that would be necessary to change it. So so my question to you, I guess, is how do you affect that kind of change in a democratic system if you can't get most people to believe that it's that it's necessary? I mean, what is the democratic solution to what 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 you're talking about? Well, that's why I'm out here on this show and I'm out here on shows all week. <laughs> We're trying to convince uh, people, right? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to say, look, you're going to get fascism. We're at an extreme point in the United States. Trump need this situation. We need to look at in the mirror because this is not going away. This is an, an accelerant of this mix between the billionaire class dividing uh, working class Americans along race. This is the American problem for what you know, well over a hundred years, as Du Bois spells it out in Black Reconstruction. Black Reconstruction. Uh, the the wealthy divide Americans along race, so so we don't address uh, the basic structural problems of inequality. And so, what you're going to get is you're going to get a movement. And it wasn't those people in 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 the capital. They were not they were not all or even maybe mostly working class poor white Americans. There was a triple gold medalist in swimming. There, mm. there were doctors, lawyers. Everybody was there. Uh, you're gonna uh, unless you address this, unless you address this cycle where Black Americans, uh, you know, you have a militarized police force. Don't forget, we have the highest incarceration rate in the world, yes. uh, comparable to the Soviet Union in the early 1950s. It's an untenable background situation, and an untenable background situation. People will reach to fascist solutions, mm. uh, and so what you have to tell people is: Do you want? 
you know, remember how people say, oh, no, the cities are. Well, so one of the chapters in my book is called Sodom and Gomorrah. Fascist politics always involves representing the cities as filled with minorities, yeah. dangerous places filled with minorities. And what you do in fascist politics, is you say the cities are filled with crime and disease. And, you know, uh, we I'm going to protect you against those people. That's a cycle we need to break. Until we break that cycle, it's going to accelerate and get worse. So mm. if you want your democracy saved, you're going to have to deal with the problem of inequality. Mm. Okay, we need to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation with Jason Stanley, and we will get to more of your calls. Doug in Detroit, Lola in Dearborn, John on the east side, Vera in Dearborn. We'll try to get all of you in when we get back. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Jason Stanley, a professor of philosophy at Yale University. We're talking about fascism. We're talking about propaganda and the role that they play in destroying democratic institutions. Uh, we want to hear from you as well. Do you think we're at that point here in the United States after what we saw last week in Washington, D.C.? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, you can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there. Let's go to Vera in Dearborn. Vera, what's on your mind? Hi. Hi. Um I'm really enjoying this conversation. Um, I I firmly believe he brainwashed these people. He divided them. He whipped them up because he it was a self coup. Mm -hmm. And you know I get frustrated when it's not called that. You know it's an insurrection or whatever. I I firmly believe it was a self coup. Mm. Um. Uh, the impeachment was totally necessary because we need to send a strong signal, you know, not to do this again. If there's no consequences, which I firmly believe that there have not been enough consequences for him, he kept pushing the boundaries and they kept making excuses for him and letting him get away with that. I also believe we need to expel the people in Congress who voted against the certification after the I think there are a lot of people who are asking why that consequence is not uh, is not being meted out, uh, Vera. If you go back in history, uh, that that certainly was done at the precipice of the Civil War. That uh, that people who voted to not certify Abraham Lincoln's uh, win uh, were put out of the Congress. Um, uh, Jason Stanley, I, I, I want to sort of. Uh, put a little bit of a twist on what, what, what Vera is saying and ask about this question of accountability and the role it plays in the unity that people that people say they, they want here, that you can't really have one uh, without the other. We've got about two minutes left, but uh, I want to I have you talk about that. So we, we all have to remember that the end of Reconstruction, Reconstruction being that brief period of 10 or so years when black Americans in the South were allowed to vote. Why did the end of Reconstruction happen? It happened because of politicians calling for unity. They said, let's 
heal the wars between the, the, the wounds caused by the Civil War between South and North. What that meant is federal troops being withdrawn from the South and Black Americans in the South were robbed of the vote for almost a century. So American history tells us very clearly, the call, premature calls for unity were what caused Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. And if we have premature calls for, uh, calls for unity, uh, then uh, what we're going to get is the loss of our democracy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, uh, Vera, thanks very much for the call and the questions. Uh, quickly, Jason, I've got a question on Twitter uh, how much does the two-party system enable this current strife between black Americans and working-class whites? I've only got a minute left, but I think that's a really interesting question. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting question. I mean, uh, we've got to get out of this. We've got to separate out sort of white supremacists from people who just want their taxes cut. Mm. So, uh, so, uh, so, and the two-party system puts people uh, all under one big umbrella. So... You know, uh, if you're, say, pro-life and you feel you just cannot vote for Democrats, then you end up empowering uh, a, a party and a set of leaders that you don't want to empower. And that's one of the problems we face. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Jason Stanley, Jacob Urosky, professor of philosophy at Yale University. Always great to talk with you about these things. Thanks so much for joining Thanks us. Thanks so much for having me on again. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow for a look at how the Biden administration plans to tackle climate change. Stay with us for more Detroit Today then. This is 1019 WDET, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.